can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. So Hannah, remember how we discussed in, I think might've been a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about TV shows that we were watching mm. and you said I had to watch Mare of East Town. Yes. Oh my Don't give anything goodness. away, but yes. I'm not going to do any spoilers, but holy sh**, that is the best TV series I've seen in ages. I really loved it, but can you explain to me the randomness of like the Guy Pierce storyline? Like I didn't quite understand. (laughs) I I actually thought the same thing. I was like, he's just there. I I felt like he like agreed, like they were like, oh, we need a love interest. And then like they were like, what should we do? And so they did this like completely random storyline with Guy Pierce, and he like didn't add anything to the story line and mm. but you know she she got laid so yeah and that's important but man Kate Winslet is versatile oh isn't she? my god she was She's absolutely just so talented. phenomenal phenomenal like she really played that part so well I did you read yeah. online that she had requested I think that the director was gonna remove a scene or change a scene where her like stomach was showing and she was like no leave it in no I didn't say that yeah okay Kate Winslet refused to have her body edited to appear more flattering in Mare of East Town don't you dare ah. she told the director yeah. yeah, she just really blew me away. Uh, I honestly can't think of another series that I've enjoyed that much. Yeah, in, it like, kind a long of time. did remind me, though, a little bit of The Undoing. Kept you kind yes. of on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah, because it never felt like it was fully solved. Yeah, yeah. I like wish we could. Always t- I wish we could talk about. I, know, the I wish we could talk about the whole thing, but people are going to want to watch Can it. Can every single person that listens to this podcast watch it so we Go can and talk watch about it. the ending? <laughs> Another one that I have you seen, you might like this. It's Dr. Foster. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. That's not crime. It's not like murdery, but um, mm-hmm. I started watching it and it's it's pretty gripping for anyone that's looking. I'm going to be honest with you. I cannot keep up with all of the series that I am keeping up with what? at the moment. So <laughs> I've got this thing on the weekend that I watch one episode from every series so that I'm up to date. Oh, you do it all in like a night. Yeah, yeah I, I do that I do as it well. all at once. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm trying to study on the weekend. So yep. I've got Handmaids, I've got Younger, The Bold Type, Love on the Spectrum, and then I was trying to watch um, Mare of Easttown and I just smashed that in a weekend. I was like, I've just got to watch this. Mm-hmm. And I just had to get it done because I couldn't move on with life until yep. I found out the ending. Yep, same. Um, that but was... I just can't add another one to the rotation, I'm afraid, at this point. So for me, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I have to watch like a whole TV series before I move on to the next one. So I'm watching like eight. Okay. I found a series and I'm watching all eight seasons Hundreds and hundreds of hours. Yeah. yeah, it keeps me keeps me busy. Anyway, what's on, um, I'll ask what is, you. Oh, I'll ask you. Okay, what's on today's episode, Joe? <laughs> um, so on today's episode, we are speaking about cysts with Dr. Phil Tong, and our favorite hair care products, which I know you've done before, but we're doing like another version of that, and I'm doing mine as well, and our products we didn't know we needed. 
So Hannah, we were on the phone the other day talking about what we're going to do for future cringy combos, and you were like, oh, I've got one. <laughs> and I was like, um, okay. And then we went to see Dr. Cara McDonald in Melbourne for your ear piercing hole. And I was like, what's this thing on the end of my nose? Like I thought, kept thinking it was a blackhead, but nothing, like if I would squeeze it, nothing would come out. And I thought, I'm just going to make sure this is nothing sinister. So I asked Cara and she said it was an apocrine hydrocystoma. So we've invited Dr. Phil Tong, dermatologist from Sydney, Onto the podcast again. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Phil Tong. Nice to have you again. Thank you. Great to be here, as always. So I've got this apocrine hydrocystoma on my nose. <laughs> so can we start by talking about that? Firstly, what actually is that? Um, and do I need to do anything about it? So they are a benign cyst. So cysts are generally benign, as in non-cancerous, mm-hmm. and they um, generally um, are very small but can be large in nature. They can occur on the face, and generally the ones that you're describing do occur on the face, and they're harmless. And certain things that uh, Dr. McDonald can do in terms of treatments can actually remove that cyst in a very cosmetically pleasing way. So it's not something that you have to live with. Although if you decide to keep it, that is entirely also a reasonable option as well. So aside from Jo's specific question (laughs) on her specific cyst, are there other common types of cysts? I mean, absolutely. A dermatologist um, in the US made her entire career out of squeezing cysts, Dr. Pimple Popper, and we all know how popular that was. We've had her on this show. (laughs) So um, as you'll imagine, there are many types of cysts and cysts that um, contain skin cells, and that's what um, Dr. Pimple Popper is indeed squeezing out from those cysts. Now, they don't all have to contain dead skin cells. They contain other parts of skin as well, such as sebum, which are oil glands, or even remnants of hair. So different parts of the body, such as the face, the scalp, the chest, produce different types of cysts. And uh, for the most part, they are generally uh, benign. And why do they actually form? Like what causes a cyst to happen? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And, and many patients do ask that. And it's just random. Most of the, there are certain cysts which um, have a genetic predisposition in certain sites, for example, the chest or the scalp uh, tend to produce these types of cysts. But in general, it's just random. And um, a bit of bad luck, unfortunately. And so you mentioned that a cyst is like when different tissues and stuff end up like inside. Is it a sac? Like what actually, how would you describe what a cyst is? So um, in simple terms, a cyst would be a well-formed sac with an actual true lining. So there are cysts that don't have that and we don't technically call them cysts. Um, however, true cysts uh, have a what we call an epithelial lining, so a lining of skin, and that lining can produce various things, like I mentioned before, such as uh, oil or hair or, or dead skin cells, keratin. Mm-hmm. Hannah, what was the cyst you had? I had two, same Joe, one on my chin. Well, I think it was. And then I had one on my shoulder and I thought it was just a pimple that wouldn't go away. But I went to the doctor and the doctor said it was most likely a cyst. 
Is it like a pimple that doesn't go away? Well, it's really interesting you say that because acne uh, as a condition can cause cysts as well, particularly mm, deep yeah. underneath the cysts. And as you um, may or may not know, they can become inflamed and very tender and they may even you know, leak pus, for example, which is the gross part um, that people often talk about. So, uh, yes, it depends on the underlying cause of the cyst. So, for example, um, the one on the face could be related to acne or simply it, you can have a simple cyst develop as a random event on under the skin. So generally these are bits of skin that form under the epidermis or dermis and they generally uh, feel very firm. Now, if some cysts can become calcified, so they develop calcium within them and that's how they can become hard it's difficult to remove these so you might have to consider a small procedure if you were keen to remove but generally i take a very conservative approach and say that if patients are okay to live with it as because most people can't see it on the surface it's often hidden underneath the skin it's only something that you can feel one approach would be to to leave it and unless it causes future problems like it gets infected, for example. Does it ever go away though? Like will it eventually resolve by itself or it will just sort of stick around? That's an excellent question as well. So sometimes they will um, unfortunately stick around. So for example, there are cysts on the scalp and on the neck and, and back that people have had um, come and go. They get swollen, they, they discharge contents and it gets to a point where they've had enough and they want it surgically removed and that's generally the best way to do that. Mm. As Hannah said, she thought that hers were just pimples that wouldn't go away. Is there any way to actually identify what a cyst is without going to a dermatologist? Or if you suspect that something isn't quite right somewhere, you should go and see a derm? Uh, I think that's a really great question. And I think going to your GP would not be a bad first port of call. So, for mm -hmm. example, if it's on your face, then the chances are it's most likely a acne cyst, particularly if you're mm -hmm. known to have a background history of acne. If it's elsewhere on the body, then for example, the scalp or the chest or the back, um, it may be worthwhile seeing your GP. And if the GP feels it's necessary to, to refer on to a dermatologist. So that's certainly probably the best way to go about it if you're unsure, just because not everything is a cyst as well. For example, if you feel a lump underneath the arm, in the armpits or if you feel a lump on the breasts, they may not be cysts and they may be something else that warrants um, further investigation. And it's always mm -hmm. best to get it checked out. And so what happens if you do decide to get a cyst removed? Can the GP remove it or is it something that you need to go to a specialist for? And what's actually the process of getting it removed? GPs can remove cysts, uh, particularly if they feel very surgically inclined. Um, and, but certainly dermatologists and, and plastic surgeons can do that the same thing as well. It depends on where the location of the cyst is. For example, if it's on the trunk or an area that's not visible, then generally you'll GP would be fine if it's on the face, the scalp, some tricky areas, um, then maybe it might be best removed by a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon. Um, not everything has to be removed surgically if they're small, like for example, apocrine hydrocystomas are small, you may use non-surgical treatments such as a laser to treat that. But again, not everything needs a laser as well. Um, for larger cysts, the ones that are quite um, 
palpable or you can feel it underneath the skin, that's one that's uh, best removed surgically. So what I normally do is just ensure that the cyst isn't infected at the time because when it is, it's probably not the best time to remove. So to calm it down, if it is infected, to calm it down with some antibiotics and then bring the patient back in a few weeks later and plan for a surgical appointment. I try to um, tell my patients it's like delivering a baby through a C-section. I know probably obstetricians probably find that insulting, but um, <laughs> uh, that, that is what it is. You try to make a, a very small incision, um, even smaller than the size of a cyst, and you quite, under local anaesthetic, you quite carefully cut around or dissect around the, the cyst, and then you really... Um, pop the cyst out and try not to spill any of the contents within the uh, skin because that can be quite irritating to the skin and that's what causes the inflammation in the first place and the redness and the pain. And then what you do is you make sure that the cyst doesn't doesn't form again or you to prevent any complications such as swelling underneath the skin so you close the you close the wound in layers so there will be multiple layers of um, absorbable stitches underneath the skin and then you finally close the top layer of the skin so it's generally quite a straightforward procedure and as long as you go to someone who is comfortable doing those procedures then generally the outcomes are very very good and once it's all out we I routinely send it off for testing anyway just to confirm it to cyst and it's all been removed and um, tell the patient that's the end of the story. That's all done. Mm. I have seen a number of uh, videos, <laughs> not by professional dermatologists, um, like people in their backyards doing like, have you seen those, Phil, where they like cut open someone's like cyst on their back and they're like squeezing something out? Yeah. So no, that, what? Uh, that's amazing. Um, uh, I hope they, they use antiseptic. <laughs> they definitely don't, which is why I thought that might just be quite triggering for you. <laughs> so the, um, the, the, the downside of doing that um, is that, and Hannah asked the exact same question before, was that if you do do that, it's likely to come back because you haven't remove the cyst wall mm. okay you're just squeezing the contents out yeah and once the skin heals over the cyst wall is still remains underneath the skin for it to secrete all kinds mm-hmm. of um, things such as dead skin cells and it just recollects after you know months or years or for example so unless you remove yeah. the cyst wall that technique is great for for you the youtube algorithm but um <laughs> I was actually reading online about cysts before when we decided we were going to do this topic. I read that the pus can smell bad from a cyst. Is that true or is that just Dr. Google telling <laughs> me that? I mean, um, what pus is, is a collection of dead immune cells, dead skin cells, dead cells in general and dead bacteria. And what ends up resulting is this dark green to yellow discharge and it can have a bad smell because that's the smell of dead skin cells or dead cells that have gone through this process and yes it can have a very bad smell and depending on the the tissue that we're talking about or the bacteria involved it can smell better or worse but to be honest with you, it's all bad. Mm. So yes, um, a bad smell is often a, a, an indication of a very infected, pus-filled wound. Mm-hmm. So um, we use all our senses in dermatology, and uh, um, smell mm. is one of them. <laughs> I bet you do. 
That must be a nice surprise when a foul-smelling pus comes out of the fist. <laughs> well, well, that's where um, eye protection is really, really important. And I hope those YouTube, yeah. those videos yeah. that you've um, looked up before when you, when they attack these cysts, they are wearing appropriate eyewear because, you know, these cysts can fire back at <laughs> they you. They were not using gloves, eyewear or anything sterile. <laughs> so... <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Phil Tong. It's been a pleasure to have you to talk all things cysts. So today we're going to talk about our favourite hair care products that we're using right now. I feel like we use quite a few different things. We actually double up more than I thought we did in terms of like things that I've used as well. But we, we do have very different hair types. So for the audience, Hannah, explain your hair type if they aren't familiar with it already. Hagrid hair is what we call it. It yeah. is free. <laughs> Not a technical I, term. I feel like that kind of sums it up. It's pretty. It's, it does. It's frizzy. It's buffy. It's dry. It kind of used to be curly, but because it's because the curl has been damaged, it's no longer curly. Mm-hmm. That's about it, really. And it's also obviously got mm-hmm. now it's got blonde in it, so it's got balayage. Um, so that's just mm-hmm. an added issue that I have to deal with as well. Mm. So they're the main ones. What about what's your hair type? So my hair is very fine, but I think a lot of people get confused between fine and thin because mm. I often have people DM me and go, you always say your hair's fine, but it looks really thick. And it's, I've got a lot of hair, but it's just the actual hairs themselves are very fine. So my hair's really flat at my roots. I really struggle to get volume. It's fine. It's, my hair's quite healthy because I haven't colored it in a really long time. Um, and probably also K18. Um, yeah. So my hair's in pretty good condition, but I do really struggle with volume and, that's probably my main concern, to be honest, is the volume, lack of volume. It does look, I'll be um, honest, it is a little bit flat, but I like that. Yeah, but I can't I can't do anything about it. Yeah, like no. I literally cannot. I work in beauty. I've done, I've tried every single volumizing product. But yeah, it's just a, an ongoing issue I have. But I've also had to come to accept that. Like I'm never going to have the volume that you have, Hannah, because mm. I just don't have the, yeah, I just don't have the capacity for my hair to do that. So I've just come to accept it now that I should stop buying volume products and just accept that my hair is going to be a little bit flatter than most people. I like you in a slick pony. I think that's your vibe. Yeah, I don't mind the slick pony now. For a long time, though, I didn't do it. And you know why? Why? Because my ex-boyfriend said he didn't like my hair like that. And so I, I, for a long time, didn't wear my hair in a slick pony. And then what do you know, in the last couple of years, I've been smashing it. When a guy, like, you think back to a time when you were younger and some guy said, look, I remember a guy on a date told me I used to be so thin, so rude. Mm. And I really took it personally and took that. And, and Well, that's something I would take personally <laughs> too. Yeah, but, it, but like why are you stalking my photos from when I was like 18? Mm. That's a really strange thing for him to say and think that it's not offensive. It was really strange. <laughs> anyway, we always get sidetracked on dating chat. So shampoo, Hannah, everybody knows that I love the Virtue Recovery Shampoo. I don't shut up about it. I know like less about the shampoo it. that you're using. Have you never used it? No, I haven't. I've never, I don't oh. think I've ever used the Virtue one. I love Virtue. Oh, we've 
got to get you on that. Yeah. We've got to have you try that. Um, but you're using Kerasas at the moment? Um, I've actually run out of this one. But, yeah, I mean, I oh, try a lot of different okay. shampoos and conditioners, but this has been my favourite shampoo and conditioner, and it's got a mask as well. It's specifically mm-hmm. for frizzy hair. It's mm-hmm. the Kerastase Discipline discipline, whatever, range. Um, Mm -hmm. So they've got shampoo, conditioner and a mask and I think they've got some styling products too. It's a smoothing range and you know how much I love Kerastase. I think Mm -hmm. it's really like does make a noticeable difference for my hair. So that's my Mm -hmm. fave shampoo and conditioner. But if you're looking for maybe a little bit more of an affordable option, I would actually go with the Goldwell. Yes, you did mention that on a past episode, the Goldwell. Yeah, it's the Goldwell Kerasilk Control shampoo and conditioner, Mm -hmm. also really good for frizzy hair. Mm. So I'm actually using a mask as my conditioner and have been doing this for a long time now Yeah. Um, because I'm so obsessed with the Christophe Raban uh, Hydrating Melting Mask with Aloe Vera. It is that it smells like hot man. Mm. It's like some people have said they don't like the smell, which I just don't agree with. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great smell um, and I use that as a conditioner. But because we've both been using this same treatment, which people would know by now if they've been listening to recent episodes, we're both using K18 and you're not meant to use your conditioner with that. So yeah. My conditioner has been sitting on the shelf um, for quite a few washes since we've been using K18. So I actually, I like get in the shower. This is going to sound weird. Wash my hair. Mm-hmm. I can't not use conditioner. Like I can't. Mm. Um, so I get in the shower, wash my hair, and then I like get out of the shower but leave it on for a second, mm. quickly dry my hair, put K18 on, put a shower cap on, wait four minutes. And then do my conditioner. Ah, okay. And you're still finding you're getting the same results? Well, that's what they said on the episode, that you just need to wait, yeah, wait yeah. four minutes. But you minutes. haven't noticed a difference in like... No. Like is it still working? Yeah, yeah. It's still definitely still working. I've done both yeah, where I haven't used conditioner and then I have used conditioner and it seems yep. to be the same. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good to know. Yeah. Loving K18. I don't think we need to say anything more yep. about that. We've given that a lot of airtime. Yeah. Um, this scrub that we're both using, also another double up, the Christophe Raban Cleansing Purifying Scrub. God. Okay. Well, that's a bit boring, isn't it? Uh, well, not really because it just means that it's a good product. <laughs> um, I do this scrub probably once a month. I wash my hair one to two times a week. So I don't wash my hair as often, so I don't feel the need to do it as much. But also I don't use a heap of product in my hair. If I was using a heap of product in my yep. hair, I would use this definitely do once a week. Do you find if you overuse like texture powders and sprays, mm-hmm. my scalp gets really irritated Yes, and then I yes. have to use a scrub like yep. the next time I wash? It's not just me. Yeah, no, no, no that's really normal. Um, yeah, it's good to use a scrub just to clear the scalp um, of product buildup and like dead skin cells and stuff. This one also smells amazing. Yeah. Oh. Also hot man vibes yeah, yeah. on this one. Total yeah. hot man The vibes. key with this, I actually do want to say the key with using this, and I've had a few people reach out and say, I don't think it's working for me. It just kind of sits on my the top of my head. It's, it's you've got to work in the scrub and then dip your hair back into the shower yeah, for like yep, a second. I do that, yeah. So that you are wetting it again and then that's when it will start to foam up and yep. really you'll be able to get in there. So if you don't wet it again, you're trying to like – work it into your scalp, it just will not work. So try that if you find that it hasn't worked for you before and you're wondering what all the hype is about because I only learned to do it properly when I went into Q Colour in Sydney and they're like, um, 
you're actually meant to do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I've been doing that wrong. Um, so that's how you use the product. Oh, can I quickly on the mask front? I, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm the same. I don't really use conditioner. I either use the Kerastase mask or the Goldwell mask after shampooing if mm. I'm not using Katein. But but someone did ask me a question on Instagram recently where they said, I can't decide between K18 or uh, Philip Kingsley Elasticizer because I've spoken about both. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said K18 is more about repair. Um, mm. The Philip Kingsley Elasticizer is about bounce and shine. I've gone through two tubs of Elasticizer. It's honestly amazing. It's like the best mm-hmm. mask treatment. You do it before shampooing. So I highly recommend that one. I feel like I might have one of those to try and I just haven't. Can you give it to me? I've run out. Tried it yet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> now on to heat styling um, or basically what you put in your hair before you dry it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a product in that category? Yeah, so I did. Ha- they've both, I think, I think it's sold out online. The Virtue Unfreeze has been since I started talking about oh it. Oh my god! It's been like I tried to buy that for people, Hannah, stock. and it's been sold out. How dare you? I've been trying <laughs> to get sorry. that for my friends. It's literally been out of stock now for so long, and so yeah, I have, your fault. <laughs> I have actually another really good one is the Kerastase Magic Eight Hour Serum, but the mm. new one that I'm actually using, and because we love Virtue on this podcast, is the Virtue Six in One style. Mm, what's that like? Um, I've just started using it, but it's like a lightweight cream texture. It's mm-hmm. kind of similar to the Unfreeze, but what's really good about mm-hmm. it is it is got heat protection as well as minimizing yep. frizz. So and giving and softness and stuff. So I actually think that's better for me because I'm usually like if I'm gonna be heat styling my hair, that's actually a better product than Unfreeze because Unfreeze doesn't have the heat protection. So I as my heat protectant and detangler, I use the Purology Color Fanatic, which I've mentioned quite a few times on this podcast. Just a spray that you can put in, helps to brush through your hair when it's wet and also has the heat protection properties as well. But then before I dry my hair, because I cannot leave my hair to air dry, it just does not dry. And Mm -hmm. then I end up with that oily patch at the back of my head. So I don't have a choice, have to whip the Dyson out. So before I dry my hair, I'll also put in the, either the Olaplex number six Mm -hmm. or the Christophe Rabanne um, cream. It's the sandalwood one. I think uh, Monique McMahon, when she was on this podcast talking about summer hair care, mentioned that cream a lot. And it's just basically a styling cream. So I kind of alternate between those two, whatever I feel like putting in my hair, and then I'll dry it off with my Dyson. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they both have heat protection properties as well. So I'm just getting like added heat protection, even though the Dyson doesn't really damage your hair anyway, but still, you know, a little bit more can't hurt. Toner. Yes. Um, I already spoke about this, so I won't go on about it again, but I'm using the Davro Mm. Blonde Platinum Shampoo. Um, Every time I use it, my blonde Mm – does does, blonde highlights go orange like in a few days? Like I find that they just go like not orange, but they get brassy really quickly. Um, So this – I use this once a week. Uh, I use the Revlon Professional Nutri-Color Cream, which has been renamed the Nutri-Color Filter for Mm -hmm. those who've been asking (laughs) – A lot of people are like, oh, my God, it's sold out everywhere. That's because it's got a new name. Yep. So it's now called the Revlon Professional Nutri-Color Filter. I use the shade 812. I actually had like a collection of the old version. So I don't know if they've changed the color of the 812 or the name of it. I don't think it's on site at the moment, but it might be under a different color. So I'm going to find out a little bit more about that. But I did have like three tubes 
like hoarded at home <laughs> because yeah. I just go through it really quickly. So I'm not through those yet. So once I'm through those, I'll then find out what the go is with the color filter. Um, but that is my toner. I swear by that for keeping my blonde parts, which are slowly starting to grow out. They're like halfway down my head now. Are you going to get them oh, redone? Really? Yes, I was meant okay. to. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, all right. Um, it was a lockdown issue. Ah, yes, um, yes. Yeah. So that is what I keep my colour fresher with. Now, on to styling. Yeah. Um, after we've washed our hair, let's talk about heat tools. You know, hot tools, curl bar. I know. I can't yeah. really <laughs> use anything else. Um, I've spoken about it a lot. It, the reason, um, for those that haven't heard me talk about it before, it is on a 90-degree angle, which just – and it also has like a vibrating – so it has a button that vibrates mm. so that you know <laughs> – <that's how, laughs> Yeah, you can always – also, no, you don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> it only vibrates for two seconds. It wouldn't actually do anything. Um, <laughs> anyway, it is my favourite because it's also like ergonomic and it's really, really easy. If you had, if you're not good at curling your hair and you want, like, uh, remember me, Joe? Remember me trying to curl? Mm. I've become I really good at. I've become good at it. You I'm, have. I'm good at it now. This one is really good if you're a beginner because. It's just really easy to use and it and it also doesn't hurt your arm. What about what's yours? Yeah. So the one I'm using at the moment is a silver bullet conical wand. I actually did borrow my friend's muck curling stick, I think it's called, mm-hmm. the other weekend. She brought hers away with us and I left mine at home. And I really liked that as well. But I have been using the silver bullet one for ages. I just don't like the ones that have the clamp on them. I just hate them. Oh, and so yeah, I always same. look for a wand that doesn't have a clamp because I can't, my brain can't figure out Mm. how to use the clamp effectively. And I see hairdressers do it and they like move their wrists around and mm. they, they do all these different angles. And I'm like, I just want to wrap my hair around it and be done. So I don't want the clamp. Yeah, the Hot Tools does not have a clamp. I agree. Can't yeah. use the clamp. Like a, a curling wand I had back in the day, I got a um, screwdriver and I took the screws out and took the clamp off. Mm-hmm. That's how much I hate a clamp. So I basically defaced a curling wand just so that it was the way that I wanted it. My favourite straightener is the GHD Max hair straightener. I do mm, love yep. You know I love the Dyson, but um, mm-hmm. if that's out of your price range, I would go for the GHD Max, which is yes. it's got like a thicker, got thicker plates. So I had one of them when I was really young, like I reckon fifteen, and they've they've reinvented it yeah. now. So it's so sem- the Max is the new version of what the wide GHD used to be. Yes, it's got seventy percent larger plates, which if you've got frizzy mm-hmm. hair or like unmanageable hair, or thick hair, yeah, yeah. it's much better than like the regular straighteners just don't work on my hair. My hair doesn't like them. Mm. I have to go over each section like a thousand times. Yeah. Next on the list, you've got sea salt spray. Yes. I've got a sea salt spray and a hairspray. Yep. So the Moroccan oil hairspray, oh, it smells amazing. I always get compliments on the smell of my hair when I wear this hairspray. Really weird. And sea salt spray is actually what I use to do my slick hair looks so whenever ah. I'm slicking my hair back, I use sea salt spray, not hairspray, because I find that it's not as um, crunchy. Mm, so when I'm yep. using sea salt spray, I spray it onto a toothbrush and that's how I get my hair really, really slick and I get all the flyaways back. I have tried those like slicking 
hair sticks. You know how those little brands came out and they were like a little mascara wand? Yep. Just yep. not the same as a toothbrush. A good old toothbrush yep. really does the trick. So that's what I use for my slick hooks. But also if you use a hair wand that curls your hair a bit too tightly and you don't you want it more of a wave, what I do is I um, finish curling my hair, let it cool, and then I spray in a sea salt spray. And while the hair is still kind of damp from the sea salt spray, I use a paddle brush to brush it out. And that usually helps to just bring those curls down to waves pretty quickly. So that's a little trick from me. Um, volume is something that I struggle to get. Yes. You've obviously got a little trick there, Anna. Yeah, well, so on volume, I usually um, do the curls, like I'll do the curls with the hot tools and then I'll use the Evo Haze. It comes in, mm. so the Evo Haze styling powder pump and then I spray that once it's cooled down I'll spray that through my hair and then I'll brush it out just with my fingers and that is just Mm -hmm. the best volume I can't even explain to you for the roots or ends throughout the ends okay yeah interesting and then the Orbe I also if you're looking for something a bit bougier the Orbe dry texture spray is amazing like next level you know what is doesn't get as much hype as the dry texture spray from Orbe though, is their Apre Beach Wave and Shine spray, which I think is heaps okay, better. I don't think I've used that. It's better, I'm telling okay. you. Like it's honestly better than the dry texture spray. You have to try it. Okay. All right. I've I've tried both and I'm convinced. Um I don't use an oil because I have heavy hair, as you said. <laughs> Um, my hair's just too flat. I think it would get weighed down by an oil, but you've got one in your yeah, routine. Yeah, I've got the Goldwell Control Rich Protective Oil. I mean, the Kerastase Elixir Ultime is also really nice. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like I go between Goldwell and Kerastase, I think, because they're both yes. they've both got good frizzy hair products. But you mm-hmm. asked about the roots with texture. I actually mm-hmm. will usually use the Aveda. So Aveda shampoo, dry shampoo is, I've been waiting for this to come back online because they've re for, I think they've like re-released it. Ah. It looks different. It is the best dry shampoo. Like I, I've used so many dry shampoos. This is my favorite. Like it's so good. So it's basically, it's like the, it's a powder mm-hmm. that you like pump out it's got a really like easy to use pump but it's just my favorite it smells nice I put that on my roots and gives it a bit of volume it's just the best my favorite well you know for um dry shampoo I can't go past IGK jet lag which is an aerosol really really rate that one and also the R&Co spiritualized mist which I just am convinced is the best thing that's ever happened to me as someone with really fine hair I just feel like that is amazing you need to dry it in for anyone who hasn't heard me talk about it before but yeah you basically drench your roots and then dry it in and it's like you have almost clean hair so they're my two dry shampoos. I don't think I've used the Aveda one. I've definitely seen it. Maybe I've used it in like shoots and stuff before, but I don't know that I've ever used it really on myself. Yeah, it's like I've tried a lot of dry shampoos. Like I don't really like aerosols and I don't I don't mm. want to use something where I have to blow dry either. Yeah. And I want something that gives a little bit, I want something that gives the roots a little bit of volume. Like it's more about as well the scent because if you're using dry shampoo, mm. you want like a bit of a refresh. And I love all yeah, the totally. Aveda scents just yeah 
Oof, yeah. Um, okay, well, that's the end of our list. Yes. So we probably could have gone on and on. I think we tried to be a little bit conservative. So with all many. The I know. I've got so many, but they're the same. We face. could have kept going. But yeah, I would say they're the top ones that we're using at the moment. So hopefully that's helpful to anyone who's looking for some new hair products to add to their routines. So before we started recording, I said to Hannah, I don't know what to put in my product. I didn't know I needed. Like I've been looking through my room at stuff that I've been using and I couldn't find anything that I'd been continually using. Like nothing was standing out at me. And then she was like, oh, I'm doing the Anastasia Beverly Hills palette. And I was like, yes, that's perfect. I've been using that. So you've been using a different one to me, Hannah. So we'll talk about each of the palettes that we've been using. Yes. Um, Because I've been using mine in a few different ways. So do you want to do yours first? Yeah. So I'm using the Anastasia Beverly Hills Novena palette. So I've got a few favorite colors in there. Because you know how I usually only use like a matte shadow on my um, lid and underneath what's that called lower lash line but I because I really like the shimmers on this palette yeah you've seen I've done a couple of eye looks where I've done my usual color and then I've added shimmer into the corner yeah very very unlike me but this one's mm-hmm. got so my favorite you this won't surprise you but I love the color eccentric <laughs> what color is that I don't know they're all shades of brown Okay. All right. Um, Good to know. So eccentric. And then I also like incense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, so the shimmer that I use is summer and that's like a brownie, like a, a, nice. sex, a sexy, smoky brownie shimmer. Yeah. So I'm absolutely, I love this palette. It's like just also a really nice packaging. Yeah, it is. Yeah. With a velvet on the outside. Yeah. It's so hard to describe yeah. eyeshadow colors. It's brown. <laughs> it's brown. <laughs> I'll give it a crack. Okay, you go. (laughs) Um, So the one that I – I've actually got two. I've got the Soft Glam palette, which Mm -hmm. is a smaller one, and then the Modern Renaissance one is the, like, full-size one. So this one is a mix of warm browns with kind of, like, purpley ready tones, Mm -hmm. like, quite deep tones. So I use a majority of the left side of the palette, which is – the main colours that I use are raw sienna and burnt orange, which, as the name suggests, are kind of like a almost a deserty kind of colour, like a desert sand kind of colour. And then they've got this other shade on the other end, which is more of a deep orange, which looks really, really cool too. And they've got a shade called red ochre, which, as the name suggests, is quite red. But they're just so nice. Mm. They're really pigmented. You don't get much fallout from them either. There's a mixture of shimmers and mattes in the palettes as well. So I feel like it's really versatile if Very you versatile. like a bit of both. Because I was really opposed to shimmers for a while. I feel like there was a period of time where shimmers weren't cool anymore. And so every palette was matte. Mm. Um, and then Elle, who we work with, who's on matte leave at the moment, she used to wear shimmers all the time and it looks so beautiful on her. And then so I started doing it myself and that kind of inspired me to get more into shimmers again. And this palette is just so good for that. They have this color called Antique Bronze in the Modern Renaissance palette and it's so nice. I've just realized that if you go to the product page, it does tell you what the colors are. Oh, does it? Oh, my God, I didn't see that. I've just got an image up. Yeah, so incense is matte, dusty, terracotta. Oh, okay, yeah. Eccentric is matte, dark, burnt orange. Mm -hmm. Volatile is another one that I like. Matte, warm, charcoal. Love the names. Mm. And then summer is foiled, golden topaz. Oh, that sounds nice. Yep. 
Um, I do want to add as well that I use this palette as an eyeliner too. So I use the shade Cypress Umber, which is, I'm not going to go to the product page to find the name description, but it Mm -hmm. is a deep brown. I use that on a damp uh, angled brush and then I use that to do a little winged liner just with a brown because I prefer the brown to black now. Um, I just think it's much softer and it allows me to blend it out a little bit more and it just kind of looks more seamless if I'm doing eyeshadow as well. So that's how I get a little bit more out of the palette. They are pretty bougie though. So this one's $76. It's got 14 shades. I think that's actually quite reasonable for the, the number well, of shades if you're, it's got. If it's, it's an Anastasia Beverly Hills palette. Mm. Like I would expect to pay that. That is the, a price I would expect to pay for that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously you can get more affordable brands that have similar colours. Like I would think that one of the designer brands palettes I have has similar shades to this, but it just has more fallout and they're not as pigmented. So I think you're kind of paying for quality with eyeshadows in some instances. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, do really love this palette. I'm so glad that you said you were doing that palette because I honestly was like, what product am I going to talk about today? And I've been using this for well, ages. the reason and I did it was because in lockdown I'm gonna film oh. my makeup routine and I was like lockdown's the only time where I do like yeah. proper makeup like and I actually and I actually try to learn new things with eyeshadow oh I'm like, the I opposite oh, I, that, this is like a <laughs> lockdown pastime for me so yeah <laughs> that was why it was on the top of my mind um, so to get back onto the dating chat real yeah. quick, um, you wanted to talk about why dating sucks during <laughs> lockdown. Well, because we were Does it back- even exist during lockdown? Well, life was back to normal. And I then, know. and then I went on a date, went for a coffee with this guy, like oh. the day before lockdown started. So when did lockdown- You did not tell me this. I know. I totally forgot Who to tell was you. Um, a dad he's a dad he was very nice and we he like messaged me after and he's like you know would love to see you again and so I was like yeah we thought lockdown would only go for a week but Mm. like no surprises we ever learn (laughs) like no surprises and so what why are Victorians shocked (laughs) no I'm not I mean I I was like oh another week but the worst thing about it being another week is that things fizzle like yes, so true. Dating fizzles really quickly, so true. and you need to see them again pretty quickly for it not to mm-hmm. fizzle. So, I reckon it's just like that's just going to fizzle. We're not going to see each other again. Like lockdown oh. ended yet another potential relationship. So, oh, that's such a shame. It's yeah, such and a it's shame. a tricky one because it's like, oh, you know, then you get into the territory of it being like, oh, well, you know, we could be intimate partners. <laughs> Yes. If it's very early on, you may not want to go there and it's just like, oh, it's. I feel like it just adds a whole other complexity to the the whole situation. The other awkward thing is there's this guy that like lives, I think he's like, because we can now travel 10 kilometres, we Mm. were going to meet for a walk in between Mm. where we live. So that's like within 10 kilometres. But I don't know any other parks except the tan. Like. (laughs) Oh, I can help you with that, Hannah. I know Melbourne pretty well. Okay, all right. Because I was like looking on a map and I was like trying to... What suburb does he live in? Just bleep this out, Matthew. What suburb? Oh, sh- no, I don't know that no, side you- of town. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know either. And like yeah. it's only 14 kilometres from me. So we could meet someone like seven kilometres oh, okay. in the middle. But I started looking yeah. on a map and I was like, I don't f- know what these parks are like. I'm like, I'm not just <laughs> 
turning up to some random park in the middle of and then I thought oh but we're gonna have to wear a mask and I was like I'm just gonna wait until uh, dockdown's yes, over. I know it wasn't so bad like the walking date isn't as bad when there's no mask involved 100%, but the mask but just the mask oh. ruins it ruins it. It's God so, I just feel so, so sorry awkward. for us right now. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.